Hovering over the skies of a post-Christian society, we have spotted a man with a donut in one hand oh. and rosary beads in another. Child, I'm about to whoop Satan's behind. He is boldly proclaiming truth and reason like no rigid Catholic ever has before. The David L. Gray Show begins now. Welcome in to the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason. I'm happy that you're here, tuning into this live stream. Um, I'm going to have Father Lovell in here, Father Lovell from the Coalition of Cancer Priests. He'll be in here shortly to talk about this um, high-tech lynching that's going on with Father Frank Bavone from the Priest for Life. Um, I posted a short earlier in a day talking about some some things I want to talk about, <clears throat> what I see going on with this coming out of the Holy Seed. I think this is really more, this is not, this does have something to do with Father Pavone, but this is really a strategy of a, of, of a bigger thing that I think the Holy See wants to do. They're using this, this vague language that they're calling blasphemous social media communication. That's very vague. We don't know what it means, but I think it can be applied to a lot of people at this moment, whoever they want to apply it to, that's in a clerical state. They can apply it to Father Altman. They can pl- apply it to Father Hallman. They can apply it to Father Dave Nix. They can apply it to all of the priests or many of the priests who the Coalition for Cancer Priests is representing. So that's why I want to talk to Father Level about this. So, um, so there's a lot going on. Also, um, I think in that short also called this bug breaking, you know, last year, I think with father Altman early this year, um, I used the the language bug breaking, what plantation masters, plantation masters used to do to their slaves. Uh, when a slave stepped out of line, they would beat that slave in front of the other slaves to make an example out of them. It was called buck breaking. All right. So we, we see a little bit of that going on right now as well too. So <clears throat> father love is going to come in shortly. We have a lot of questions for him. To find out what's going on. I don't, I don't even know how a priest can be returned back to the lay state and not have any means of appeal. So I have a lot of questions. I'm going to get those to far level. If you have any questions, please drop them in the comment box below. Uh, we'll get to those. Um, but before we go on, I just had two quick notes. Um, if you see in the description box, you see the show is being sponsored by the Saint Maker. There's a link in there to saintmaker.com backslash David Gray. So you can try out your Saint Maker. It's a Catholic daily planner. I use it um, religiously. It's really helped me in my spiritual life reduce um, near occasions of sin and really put myself in a better position so I don't have to go to confession more often. But going to confession um, less often, often um, having to go less often um, is very uh, makes me happy. It really does. And it, it means something when I see my, my spiritual life, my prayer life being improved. And I owe it all in great parts to the Saint Maker, helping me organize my day. So um, check out the sponsor, Saint Maker. Check it, check it out. You can get like a year supply, a month supply, but I really encourage you just to check it out. If it if it helped me, <laughs> it can help you. Also, I want you guys to check out um, a new course that I have over at SaintDominicsMedia.com. I'm having a, a course on the Catholic Catechism of the Catholic Church. I'm not doing a whole year thing. 
who has time for that? I just have 39 short talks on a catechism that I'm rolling out. I have two up there now. So let me show you what you do when you go to stdominicsmedia.com. Um, you're going to go to the website, um, stdominicsmedia.com. And then what you're going to do, you're just going to click on courses. You'll see two courses up here. You see my course on a Catholic catechism on Freemasonry. And just so, but click on um, the catechism on the Catholic church with David O. Gray. And then you'll come down you'll see if you, if you aren't already a member, you'll see that you have to log in to enroll, but you'll see it's free. I'm not charging for this, obviously, but you just go there um, and you click, um, uh, you register over here, create yourself an account. And um, you just fill out all your information there, password, register, and then that's it. You're in. And then what you'll see when you come over to the course, you'll see that um, you'll see the course content and you just click on it. There's a video. You can also listen to the program audio, right? You can listen to it audio. That's anywhere you get your podcasts, you know, um, Apple, Spotify, Google, anywhere you get your podcast, you can listen to the audio version. But I encourage you to watch the video version because the, it's being produced with a lot of good video content and graphics and things like that to really help you. And so if you, so here's what you get. This is what I really like about this talk on these talks on a catechism. You really get the same thing you got if you ever read my my book, The Divine Symphony and Escortium to the Theology of the Catholic Mass. What I, what I do in that? Um, well, my approach to theology is pretty simple. I believe that a theology that is not connected to the liturgy is an empty theology. I believe that all liturgy of church should be somehow connected to our highest form of prayer, which is the mass. That's what sanctifies us. That's what makes us holy. That's what gets us to heaven. The mass, that's that's the source and summit of our faith. So my the, the, my my method of theology is what I call the liturgical sense. So I connect everything to the mass. And so that's what I'm doing with the catechism of the Catholic church. I'm taking what the churches teaches in a catechism, connecting it to the liturgy so that people can learn their faith in a way that you can apply it. You can live it through the mass. So that, that's why it's so essential. All, the, all Catholic theology has to be connected to the mass because a theology that doesn't teach us how to live our faith through the liturgy is, I think, just a, a, a void theology. So check it out. And that's really what I, all I have to say about that. I'm about to bring Father Lovell on now from the Coalition of Council Priests. Father Lovell, how's it going? Good, David. How are you? I hope you and your family are having a blessed Advent, especially as we have we start this last week leading up to uh, Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for those... Um, those prayers and those well wishes. And um, I wish you the same as we approach 2023. And it's amazing that, uh, you know, far a level from the Coalition of Council Priests, and please check out their web website. That's councilpriest.org, councilpriest.org. And we're going to talk about, um, he has a uh, priest that's with an S as well. Um, and they wrote a, had a, um, a statement on their website um, regarding Father Frank Pavone. So we're going to talk about that. But for our level, you know, he's been on the show so often. He's our resident priest pretty much. 
And so I'm just happy to have you back on. And it's crazy that we have to end 2022 like this. Absolutely. And you know, thank, thank you for having me on. And I, I think I can say right now that Father Pavone has been excellent in getting out in front of this story. He obviously is probably, in, at least in my opinion, probably the most well-known priest, American priest, uh, around the world. And it's for his work with Priests for Life. And there has been criticism of why do we need to have a group called Priests for Life? And what it comes down to is there's a lot of priests who are not for life and are not for the unborn. And we might call into question from time to time uh, certain things that people do, like Father Pavone, but that doesn't mean that uh, he should not be defended and should not get uh, full support of the justice of canon law for what is going on now. What it looks like, and he's put out statements which everyone could check at Priests for Life org he's put out his own statement basically saying here's a timetable of what's happened it looks like though he was blindsided this weekend by this once again the bishops including this time the apostolic nuncio uh did a horrible job in getting the message out and unfortunately father pavone found out that he was being laicized not by his bishop not by the vatican but by uh catholic news agency and yeah, so how, how does that if you're far love how does that even happens that's one of the things that really shocked me over the weekend i was you know i mean i'm in germany so my time is a little bit different than your time so matt matt mom right <laughs> um she um she sends me a text a, a twitter message and i'm waking up and she's like oh i guess you're asleep you didn't know about what happened she doesn't give me any context but you know so i you know i, I search around and, and i find out you know one mad mom you know she played a little game with me and um and, and so but that's the first thing that really shot me about this whole thing was that how does because what i'm finding out from you from people like father altman is that there seems to be supposed to be like some sort of process but this seems like a s summary judgment and there's no i mean how does this even happen can you tell us that well i mean to be honest with you and i mentioned this uh this morning uh to patrick madrid is that what has to happen is that to just be simply laicized, the priest at least would be suspended first. Now, I'm not a right. canon lawyer, I you know, I and I don't play one on TV, and I'm not playing one now. But being canceled for the last ten years, I can tell you that there's usually a process that before you get laicized, that you are suspended. People know that, and yes, not everything that the bishops are doing or saying, including the Vatican, about a particular canonical case, is made known to the public. That's understandable, but to go from having faculties to not having faculties and basically being told you're no longer a priest, that seems pretty extraordinary to me. And that doesn't seem to show a, a very good process because a priest should be canceled first, uh, ex excuse me, should be suspended first before he's told, by the way, not by his bishop, but by the media that he's been laicized. Yeah, that's um that seems like just a process that's just so completely unheard of. So and also the 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 part of having no appeal, you know, this is what this the media thing is saying again, you know, from CNA and all the sources that are picking them up, that there's no appeal in this process. Is that even in canon law? The only one that can 
claim that there is no appeal is the Holy Father uh, himself. And more than likely, they must have run this past uh, Francis in order to get that approval to put that in there. Um, the, The only thing that I think that now Father Pavone could question is the way they went about it. And in fact, I'm I'm on the Diocese of Amarillo's website. They finally posted today the uh, message from the Apostolic Nuncio. Okay. Again, why why on earth was the following sent, as it says, December 13th, to all the bishops of the United States? Why on earth did Father Pavone only find out this past Saturday, which was yeah. the 17th? You know, are you saying that they were basically allowing him yeah. to and celebrate Mass and the sacraments publicly up until yeah. that time, even though they knew this? That just yeah. seems very, very odd. Yeah, that, that's the strangest thing I ever, ever heard of. I mean, what if he's out here baptizing? What if he's out here marrying people? I mean, this is the whole thing is just it, it smells really, really, really funky. And I noticed on your your on your statement that the coalition for council priests made, and again, that's councilpriest.org. Go to the website. Um, you can find out more about them there. Also, um, contribute to their mission because they they need our help. Um, to keep going, help priests who are canceled. But on your statement, far level, um, you had made mention, you had, I think, quote of Father Pavone and the work he had been doing over the years with canceled priests and um, issuing statements and, and words of support to to um, to that cause. And he had said he had been, according to your statement, he had been hearing from years from priests who were um, canceled because their bishop. Um, didn't like the pro-life work they were doing. This is like really weird to people. Like what's, and let me also say this on Twitter. I noticed some, you know, some priests, you know, we could, um, you know, call them leftists or whatever, but there, there were some priests that seemed to rejoice about this news about Father Prank Pavone. And one of them I noticed had said that, um, oh, he wasn't, it was, this wasn't about his pro-life work. But Father Pavone's statement is, the, is saying the opposite. Like priests do get in trouble because they're pro-life. Explain that. What's why is being pro-life bad? Well, first and foremost, everybody should know it's not. Uh, we're, we're every single Catholic has to be pro-life. It's as simple as that. Now, I think that some of these priests, not to speak for them, but they're probably trying to play what we call the obedience card is that a priest makes obedience to his bishop, and if his bishop certainly says something, that it should be followed. Now, there is, as you well know, and we've discussed this on your show, that there, there is different kinds of obedience. And what, what the obedience, that a vow of obedience of a religious owes to his superior is different than what a wife owes to her husband and what a husband owes to her wife. Similar, what the promise, and keep this in mind, secular priests, diocesan priests do not take vows. The promise of obedience that we make is obviously going to be different. So when people want to throw up their Padre Pio, that's always the great one, uh, example that, you know, look how obedient he was. Well, yes, but Padre Pio took a vow of obedience. All right. Mm. That is different than the promise of obedience to be a co-worker with the bishop. But I highly encourage, I'm going to say this right now, I do not get any royalties for this, highly encourage everyone to read Dr. Peter Kostevsky's book, True Obedience. It's an excellent little book, about 100 pages, that explains what true obedience is. And we need to start having more of a conversation 
This is one of the reasons I went on the Patrick Madrid show this morning. We need to have a conversation between all the three camps that I best mentioned. And we have to have a dialogue about what obedience is, because I'm tired of this, well, he's the bishop, just do what you say, do what he says, because I think a lot of people want to hide behind that, and problems can happen. I think a lot of people knew about McCarrick, in fact, I know they did, uh, decades in advance, and they hid behind, I'm just doing what my bishop is telling me to do, and I'm going to be silent on this. And there was a lot of damage done to the church because of that. And so we need to have that conversation. And so I would like to see people come out and agree the bishops handled this poorly, not the first time, and that this needs to be resolved. There are a lot of upset people that do it a week before Christmas, a week before Christmas, all right, shows, shows the problem that the bishops have in dealing with things like this, all right? Are you telling me that that one bishop in the USCCB, and I'm including the good bishops, did not come out and say, hey, wait a second, this is going to look bad that we're defrocking a priest one week before Christmas. <laughs> yeah, and, and I guess if they came out on December 13th when it happened, they could have said, you know, two weeks. It's, 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 it really just blows my mind. I mean, how does, and so one thing I was thinking about, Father Level. And I said this earlier um, in the day that it smells like to me that if they can get away with this and who's to stop them, right, that this language that they're using, you know, that we're reading about this blasphemous communication on social media. I think they can use that to cast a wide net over a lot of people that you represent. They can cast over Father Altman, Father Howman, Father Dave Nix. A lot of people who are on social media that they have they've had problems with in the past or they have problems with now. This blasphemous social, um, this blasphemous communication on social media. What do you think about that? Is just is this just a test run? Um, would I mean you're you're the expert on this? What do what do you think? It, and I'm, I want to answer that. If I could be unprofessional for just one moment, uh, my dog got outside and is now begging to come back in. I'm just going to go and let him in and make sure he can't get out again. I'll be back in 10 seconds. Okay. Sounds good. Um, so when Father um, Father Altman worked his way back, I'm going to get to a couple of your comments, but I want to let you know, um, Monday, which is today, we're supposed to have a mass nightmare um, show. But the whole thing with Father Frank Pavone came down. So I had to talk about this. So we're pushing back the mass nightmare probably till tomorrow or to Wednesday. It's a mass nightmare that I got to show you guys. Um, you're going to freak out. Uh, this is the David O. Gray show. Let's bring Father Lovell back in. Um, dog taken that. care of? Uh, yeah, all taken care of right now. And I, my apologies for that. Um, yeah, it's and now it's going to come down to I want to see exactly what they're claiming Father Pavone said that was blasphemous, all right? Okay. And this is coming from someone who has to listen to the likes of Father James Martin, Father Michael Flager, and many others on the left who are not only given a pass, but are promoted by many bishops, both here in the United States and at the Vatican. 
you know, is Father Altman going to wake up one day and be told that now he's he's laicized? Am I going to wake up one day? Um, I know many, many canceled priests, their bishops wanted them laicized and the Vatican refused. Mm. Vatican outright refused. So that's just in the Diocese of Rockford alone. Um, fortunately, he's he's not sought that with me uh, because to be laicized, you have to do something seriously wrong. You have to commit a major crime. It's a dream. Isn't it like the most extreme thing you can do to a priest, exactly. just return him to the lay state? Exactly, it is. And we, we have to realize that uh, Father Provode's rights, no matter what we might think he said or did or done in the past and maybe agree or disagree with, it does not rise to the level of of being dismissed from the clerical state. Father Gerald Murphy uh, made mention of that. I believe it was on Facebook. He put out a statement that uh, being uh, guilty of the crime of disobedience does not rise to the level of being uh, dismissed from the clerical state. You know, it has to be something pretty serious. Now, what many people are going to say is, well, we don't know all the facts. We don't know everything and maybe there is something and yes that, that that's certainly true there could be something that neither the bishops nor father provone are saying is that possible mm -hmm. yes all right let's get back to though how the bishops completely and totally failed in transmitting this information all right and and they they did something that was completely uncharitable in just transmitting that all right i don't think anybody can argue with that all right they can't and and to do it right before Christmas is just a horrendous, in my opinion, crime to commit against a brother priest. And I think bishops need to start realizing that the, the priests in their charge are not just spiritual sons, they're co-workers and they, and they need to work together. Okay. This seems vindictive and it's basically the Vatican and the, and, and the liberal bishops of the USCCB basically saying, look, we can do whatever we want. And if you say something on the conservative side that we don't like, we're going to kick you out. All right. Yeah. And you watch. You watch how the conservative bishops are not going to say anything. Okay. And can I just say something right now? It would say a lot to me, of mm -hmm. of the so-called conservative bishops, many of whom are candid lawyers. All right. For them to come out and say we're taking a leave of absence and we're going to fight for Father Pavone. All right. Instead of this, well, we don't know all the facts. Well, let's get the facts. All right, because Father Pavone is a very public figure. He is not, he's not a priest that many people uh, don't know about. Many people know about him. Okay. And this is a scandal that has been caused by the way it's gone about. All right. Let's yeah. make that clear right now. And anyone who says that it isn't a scandal, all right, look at what people are saying across the country about this. It's making it look like the bishops care more about the leftist liberal agenda than they actually do about the doctrine of the church on life. Yeah. And Father Frank Pavone, as you said, he's one of the most visible um, priests in the world because of the work he's been doing for well over a decade in a pro-life movement. And if they could, like I said earlier, if they can do this to him, if <laughs> I mean... This this is this is this is a, a, a this is a hunter going for the big game. I think they went for the big game here. And I want to follow up something you said a moment ago in, in relation to this. That um this is a scandal, you said. 
So, and I believe it is as well, but is it being transmitted down to the people in the pews? I know all the Catholics online in the Catholic verse and, and, you know, media, you know, I think, you know, everyone is quite aware of it, but, you know, to, to, um, to John and Jessica, who, who, you know, go to mass on Sundays, you know, your typical parishioner, is this, is this being, do they know about this and how does it affect them? I think so, because this is going out on the secular media as well. I know Father Pavone was being interviewed on Newsmax yesterday. So at least in the conservative political world, this is getting out. I can tell you uh, the Coalition for Canceled Priests is closing on a property in Northwest Indiana on December 27th. And we were speaking uh, this morning with our real estate agent in Indiana. Our real estate agent in Indiana is a non-practicing Catholic. All right. We have been working very hard with her to find a property, but also to bring her back to the faith. And she brought it up to me. Okay. She doesn't watch the David L. Gray show. She doesn't listen to the Patrick Madrid show. Right. She, so she, she heard about this and was scandalized because she is a conservative politically. And, uh, you know, it just, what a lot of people are saying is that they're really going after Father Pavone because Father Pavone stood up for life and said, Trump is our best option in 2020. And they didn't like that. You know, a lot of people don't want to say that, but it's true. And bear in mind, I can say that too. And that doesn't mean that I like everything that Donald Trump has said or done. But what it does mean is, is that I would rather have him in the Oval Office right now than the so-called Catholic that is. Amen. Amen to that. And so, yeah, so that's very interesting. And congratulations on the Coalition for Cancer Priests. Um, uh, just days away from having a central piece to the puzzle, having a place um, where they can, um, you guys can um, house. It's going to be like, man, it's going to, that's going to be like an underground railroad in Indiana, man. That's going to be crazy. You could have like the, the whole underground railroad for a rail for a council priest to be able to go there and um, take care of business for a while in a place that we could come visit and worship with you, man. That's going to be tremendous. Congratulations for that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And if I could just say real quickly on that, you know, we have a lot of uh, Catholic priests, diocesan priests who might not need housing. I don't think Father Pavone needs housing. Father, you're more than welcome if you need, need it. But, you know, we wanted to make sure that we have a safe house for priests, whether it's short term, whether it's long term, whether if it's just for them to come and go on retreat. You know, I realize it's going to be hard to get a priest from Virginia to move cross country to Indiana. But, mm -hmm. you know, at the same time, we wanted to make sure that we have a location. People donated for that. It wasn't our first choice. Um, we, we really did a very good campaign hoping to get an old Franciscan friary in Cedar Lake, Indiana. That we pulled out of that even though we had the funds and uh, were, were ready to purchase after we did our due diligence and after we did inspections, we determined that there was going to be too much money that had to be invested in order to bring that property uh, up to living conditions. And okay. so we started looking and we, we decided that we should get something, even if it's just short term. And we got a farmhouse, five bedrooms, and it's okay. going to be a place that priests can feel safe. So we're not going to necessarily be airing where it is. But it's going to be a place that priests can know that they can come and be safe. And, mm -hmm. and that's that's the important thing. Are we going to look for bigger property, something like the Franciscan Monastery? Of course, we're going to continue looking for that. But yeah. at, at right now, we thought the most important thing we need right now is a safe house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that word, safe house. I was talking to Father Lovell. 
from the Coalition for Cancel Priests. You can find out more about him and his work at cancelpriests.org. Find out what they're doing, how you can support them. Um, one of my um, viewers, um, Joan, over in San Diego, she runs a wonderful organization called the um, Ecclesia Militia, the church militant over in San Diego. Wonderful organization, traditionalist Catholics. Um, she had sent me a WhatsApp saying that Father Pavone was over on the Bannon, Steve um, Bannon show, I guess, today. And he had said that um, he portends that what's happening to him was sort of what I said a moment ago. Like this, they went after big game here. He had said that this was the start of a schism. I think that that's that's some big language right there. But um, man, what what are I don't know if you just this is your first time hearing this, but what's, what's your what's your thoughts on on that? Um, I think the schism started a while back, and let's keep something in mind. And I would probably say that probably all of your viewers. Uh, David, are traditional or at least traditional-minded, meaning they understand the importance of the traditional Latin Mass and preserving it. But let's keep something in mind. Father Pavone was not a traditionalist, okay? At least not in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's not a priest that went around wearing his cassock. He was not a priest that said, we only need the traditional Mass. This was somebody who, on a regular basis, did the Novus Ordo, you know, and even did it from his office to, for people to be viewed. And it's a reminder, again, to those that continue to go to the Novus Ordo, they're coming after you too, all right? It's not just the traditional Latin mass goers. It's anyone who wants to stand up and and proclaim the 2,000-year 2000 history, history of the church that they're coming after, okay? They want to radically change things, all right? They feel emboldened right now with Pope Francis and the Vatican. They feel emboldened right now that, that good conservative bishops are just going to shut up and not say anything. And I want to encourage, and I've been saying this, I want to encourage the Burks, the Schneiders, the Corleones, the Aquilas, list any name that you consider a so-called good bishop, okay, and say, what are you going to do to help Father Pavone? And that includes Bishop Strickland, who did come out with an excellent state yeah. statement on Twitter, and we posted that in our statement, okay? But, you know, I would like to see a bishop come out and say, I'm incarnating Father Pavone right now. Yes, do due diligence. Due diligence should only take a week or two. And I'm incarnating right now and I'm giving him faculties. And then if you have a problem with that, well, then you're going to have to come after me too. Okay. We have a lot of canceled priests out there. We don't have a lot of canceled bishops. And maybe we should start having some canceled bishops. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that even possible? So if, if, if he is returned to the lay state through some sort of um, action by the Holy See. Can a can an ordinary can a bishop incarnate him or reincarnate him? Is that is that a thing? Let's find out. <laughs> I'm, I'm dead serious. I am dead serious. Let's find out. You know, I would like to see, especially if he's a canon lawyer, say no. Canon law was not followed in this. Father Pavone is still a priest in this diocese, and I'm giving him faculties. It's yeah. this. You know, they play dirty on the other side. You know, and we see time and time again, priests like Father Flager uh, get accused, get put back into ministry. He was just put back into yeah. ministry. And look, I'm not saying that, that he did anything wrong, nor am mm -hmm. I implying that. What I'm saying is, is that we see how Father Flager plays the game and he plays it well. And as conservatives, mm -hmm. as, as traditional Catholics, as pro-lifers, 
we have to realize that we need to start playing similar to what they are. Not exactly, but we could take a leaf out of their playbook, and we need to start doing that. And, mm -hmm. and I hope Father Provode, and I'm going to still call him Father Provode, uh, fights this. And if he needs to fight it in the public square, fight it in the public square. And yeah. I would like to see more bishops stand up and say this was wrong, especially how it was handled. These bishops, some of these bishops, they remind me so much of Democrats. And in, in this way, I'll say this, that you you know how you know how Democrats, some, something will come out. Let's just say, I don't know, just pick one story. It, it's so many out there. But just, I don't know, just like Hunter Biden's laptop. Two years ago, they said, oh, that three years ago or two years ago, they said, oh, this isn't. This isn't even a thing. It's not real. It's, it's fake news, right? You know, they told this whole story. And then, you know, a little while later, as everything does, it comes out and we found out, oh, it's real, has crazy things on it, drugs, child porn, whatever, has just crazy things on the laptop. And then, they, then, it, then everyone realizes it and say, oh, well, that's old news. It's not even relevant anymore. Well, that's because you said it was fake news for two years. And so they just move on to the next thing. No consequences nothing they just move on just brush it off and they just they just keep going just keep the dog and pony show going and so when i hear catholics you know whenever something happens you know um, to traditionalists something negative right and um, when or a priest gets canceled we always like to bring up you know satan's right hand man himself jesuit james martin and say well what about james martin or what about this guy what about um, Father Grinder and all these people. And I know the bishops know this dichotomy. I, they they have to know that the the um just the duplicity in the scandal and how this all looks, letting Jamie Martin just run around saying that the Catholic Church is wrong about his teachings on same-sex attraction and that people are actually born that way. All these, all these heresies that he's spewing, they have to know that. This doesn't look right at all. Even when Monsignor Grinder is put back into a parish and you see Father Altman still outside and they, they don't care. They just move on to the next thing. They, because there's no consequences for their actions, just like the Democrats, there's just no consequences. So father, what, what are your, what are your thoughts there? You know, it's interesting that you say that. A week ago, I was interviewed by Damien Thompson of The Spectator over in the UK because we we, we do have an outreach now in Europe. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Damien Thompson, no fan of Pope Francis, um, conservative from all I can tell. Uh, and he interviewed me on his Holy Spoke podcast. And he had some strong words for Father Altman. Okay. He had some strong words. And he brought up something that I've heard from people say in the past, that basically Father Altman came out defending lynching in the South. So I went and I found the homily where they claim that. I listened to the homily. And I'm thinking yeah. to myself, how can anyone yeah. get this from Father, from Father Altman, what he said? I mean, I, I actually, after the homily was over, I thought, that's it? That's what he said? And people are throwing a fit over it? But it yeah. keeps getting out there. And what's happening is people aren't actually listening to what Father Altman is saying. They're listening to what the pundits are saying, what the yeah. pundits are saying, okay? And they might claim that you and I are talking heads. But let me tell you something right now. You and I both know Father Altman very well, yeah. all right? And he does this. And I am so glad that we were on there. Damien thought it was an excellent interview. We're 
I'll probably be on there again. You know, I'm not going to obviously burn any bridges with him. I think he's a very good journalist. But again, you you get this idea about Father Altman, not based on what Father Altman actually said, but somebody else's commentary on that. And so what I say mm -hmm. for Father Pavone, uh, what I say for Father Altman, I say to Father Pavone, let's look at what Father Pavone actually is saying, not a talking head, whether it's coming from the Bishop's Conference, the Vatican, or anywhere else. And let's, mm -hmm. let's we, we all have brains, as Father Altman says, let's use them, okay? And we can determine for ourselves whether or not Father, Al Father Pavone uh, is guilty of this. Now, somebody's going to say, whoa, 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 wait a second. This is why we have the church. This is why we have a hierarchy. This is why we have canon law and trials. All right. But I'm just saying, getting back to my original point, they handled this horribly and they need to be held account to that. Whether it was right to remove Father Provode from the clerical state or not, how they handled it was that. So I'm going to I'm going to challenge anybody who's going to challenge me and to say, are you saying that how the bishops handled this was mm -hmm. a good thing, all right, mm -hmm. and was handled correctly? And I don't think you're going to find anybody who's going to say that. They're, they're mm -hmm. going to be stretched to say that. And to give uh, Patrick Madrid credit where credit is due, you know, he came out and said that he was, I believe the word he used was baffled, baffled when I was speaking to him, that certain priests, and he didn't mention their names, but we all knew he was talking about Jim and Martin, uh, that, you know, why is, why is he still allowed to be in, but Father Pavone is not. And, mm -hmm. and you know, it, it, it certainly is a hypocritical thing that, again, goes back to politics. There's rules for me and there's rules for thee, you know. And that's, mm -hmm. that's certainly how it looks like in the church when it comes to liberals and conservatives, sad to say. Yeah. We're speaking with Father level he's from the coalition for council priests check him out over at councilpriest.org to find out more about him and the work that the um, coalition is doing want to get to a few of your your comments and questions here first i'm going to put um ben um looks have been rather active in the comment box um i picked out this comment he says can't everybody see that mr pavone he calls him mr pavone is the fine legitimate authority. One thing I like to do for Ben, I like to send him over to um, priestforlife.org where Father Pavone wrote a long essay. Um, he says, Father Frank's comments on the latest development. And there, one thing, Ben, I think I think you want to go read, like Father Level said, go read from Father Pavone himself. And he responds to this, the complaints or charges or whatever against them. And it's a really nice letter. And he challenges the um, whoever, you know, arrived at the decision to sit down with him, lay out the charges. Apparently, he doesn't know <laughs> what the charges are. He doesn't even know what's going on. So he's asking for a full public explana explanation of what's going on. So all this talk that's out there in the Catholic verse about um, Father Bavone is a bad person, did bad things. Well, somebody should have brought that to him. According to Father Pavone, <laughs> that just hasn't been done. Um, what, what's, what's your thoughts on, on that, um, Father Level? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that, that Ben, uh, that's his name, apparently uh, is privy to information that the rest of us are not. But David, I just emailed you right now what Father Pavone sent me and our due diligence coordinator, Father Scott Duvall, yesterday of links uh, to look at in regards to his defense. And I hope you'll post those at your website so that people can see them. I haven't gotten through all of it myself, 
All right. There's a lot of information out there. And you know what? This is not an infallible thing. All right. The Pope can get this wrong. All right. It's not a matter of faith and morals. All right. This yeah. is a canonical uh, judgment. Okay. That can be overturned. And in times it has been overturned. All right. Okay. You know, okay. the Pope, the Pope can decide, no, I was wrong. I was given wrong information by, by bishops and, and restore Father Pavone's faculties immediately. Now, some will make the argument, and I think I'm one of them, that this was done illegally, at least from the information that we was given, and is henceforth, according to canon law, invalid itself. All right? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. the Pope just can't come out and say, you know, Father so-and-so is now laicized without an explanation, without a trial, without the priest having the ability to defend himself. All right. Yeah. That's not how the church works. We're not ruled by positive law that way. There's a reason we have canon law. So, Ben, I encourage you to go read canon law. Yeah. Yeah. I really hope that that process and there's some due process in place. We know where well, we know there's due process in place. I hope Father um, Pavone gets the opportunity to to have that. Um, have what's due to him as a priest have that have that justice that's that's due to him because it's it's <laughs> i mean what is he supposed to do i mean take this to the hague i mean it, it's, it's just uh, so i hope that the process that we already have in place in, in canon law is is followed there seems to be a tension i think i thought i commented on this some time ago when people were upset about archbishop broglio um being elected president of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops and, and how some people on the political left haven't, you know, they, they've been upset about a lot of people who have been elected as president of the USACB for a while. Um, and you notice that some, a lot of people who are being elected to the USCCB in past times would have been cardinals, you know, from dioceses like LA, you know, look at Gomez and, and, and um, but so I think is is there do you think do you sense that there's some sort of tension between the hierarchy in the United States um versus the people who the Holy See looks to in the United States for advice and for counsel? I mean, when you have people like um Supich, you know, America's Pope, um going, you know, being the go-to man for Pope Francis. I kind of see how something like this could happen in the back rooms that this whole thing can play out and people who people like Strickland and people like Gomez may not even have known about this. Do you see that same thing as well? Do you see two different factions? Well, just real quickly on this specific thing, the, the Apostolic Nuncio seems to make it clear that this was sent to all the bishops. So mm -hmm. if it wasn't sent to all the bishops, either the bishops are lying or the apostolic nuncio is lying. Um, so we, we have to go under the presumption of what the apostolic nuncio says, that this was, in his own words, sent to all the bishops of the United States on the date that he puts in that document, which I don't have in front of me right now. All right. That said, can I give you a story about Cardinal Supich when he was made a cardinal? All right. <laughs> Please so, do. So obviously the Chicago local media went out there. Uh, ABC Channel 7 uh, went out there. And this was going to be the first time that Archbishop Supich actually met Pope Francis. 
So he was made a cardinal by Francis without personally knowing him, which is fine. I mean, the Pope can't meet everybody all the time, even people that he's going to make a cardinal. He has to base that off of advice from others, all right? Yeah. But what we found odd was that right when now Cardinal Supic landed, he had a private meeting with Francis, and they tried to cover that up. And even the local media was kind of like, well, why are you guys trying to cover this up that you're meeting one-on-one? -on -one? I mean, nobody would have found that odd that the Archbishop of Chicago, who's about to be made a cardinal in the next day or so in the consistory by Francis, is, is having a private meeting with him. But they tried covering it up. They tried to deflect that that was actually happening. And I remember watching that. I think this was 2015 or 2016 when he was made a cardinal. And I thought, this is odd. Why are they doing that? Why do they want to make it seem like that Francis is not meeting with him right before he's made a cardinal? I, I, I would have thought it would have been a non-story. In fact, it seemed like they turned it into a story by trying to cover it up. You know, I mean, Dave, <laughs> to be honest with you, would you have been surprised if you were covering a story and they said, oh, yeah, and he had a private meeting yeah. with Pope Francis two days before he was made a cardinal? You're going to go, yeah, why, why wouldn't he? Yeah. yeah. You know, especially if they don't know each other. You know, I would say, yeah, that's that. What's wrong with that? But they tried to cover yeah. it up. So it's odd things like that that I can tell you. That there's a lot of backroom going on, and there's and there's bishops that that have more power than others. And I think most people know that. And I, I'll tell you this: I said this to Damian Thompson. Could you imagine if Archbishop Gomez was the liberal, and the Pope was the conservative, like Benedict, and McElroy, uh uh, was a conservative, and they made McElroy a cardinal, but not Gomez. The left would have been throwing a fit because, as far as I know, we've never had a Hispanic cardinal in the United States, mm. and I, th I think we should, and I think it's time. I'm not saying it should be Gomez, but what I'm saying is that he is the archbishop of the largest diocese in the United States, if not the Western Hemisphere. The archdiocese yeah. of Los Angeles is bigger than all Ireland, and. Yeah. It's, it, you know, and I'm sorry, but it, 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 there should be a cardinal. And to make the suffragan, who's a, just another Irishman, uh, from, and when I say that, that's not a, that's not a pun against or a slander against the Irish. It's that we, we've had a lot of American Irish bishops and mm -hmm. they've not always been great or good. All right. Yes, we've had some great ones like Fulton Sheen, but we've had some bad ones too. And uh, they've caused a lot of damage uh, in the church, um, and we we have to we have to be mindful of that. And there seems to be a stranglehold on appointments, uh, as 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 one of my attorneys said one time. You got quite the Irish mafia running uh, <laughs> running the Church of the United States right now. And again, and again, let me just say this before before I people jump down my throat for going against the Irish. It's not the Irish I'm going against. Okay, it's these Irish American bishops that keep getting appointed. It does look like. A pretty closed group. Now, are there exceptions? Of course, Supich, Bernadine, Gregory. Those are those are all exceptions. But you know, the rule is most bishops are from Irish descent, and hmm. uh, we have to realize that uh, Hispanics do deserve to have a cardinal represent them here in the United States. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge Hispanic and Mexican population all throughout the United States now. So is only politics in in undermining explains why 
Gomez is not a, not a cardinal, but you know he's you know it's quite phenomenal. I was speaking with Father Lovell from the Coalition of Council Priests. He's on the show. We've been talking about Father Frank Pavone trying to use reason and logic to try and understand the illogical and unreasonable things that's happened over the weekend concerning Father Frank Pavone. Um, so quite the tragedy. Um, um, as far as the, as far as the pro-life movement go, um, it seems to be that Father Frank Pavone apparently is still going to stay in his position as the president of priests for life, right? As far as I know, I mean, this is really the first business day that this is happening. Yeah. And again, I, I hate to sound like a broken record. The, for this to break on a Saturday night is is a problem, in my opinion. And this whole, well, we can't say things because we don't want to risk lawsuits. I think they're, I think the bishops are, are risking lawsuits by Father Pavone for this. And I do hope that he does sue uh, if he has a libel case against them because this was handled poorly. And you know what? People could say, well, we don't know all the facts, you know, and we got to wait and see until everything comes out. Well, guess what? Then the bishop shouldn't have done this as they did. And, they, you know, if there is really something, they should have led with that. You know, yeah. and basically said, look, this 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 is the reason, not these vague adjectives, as I like to say, a blasphemous or blah, 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 blah. You tell me specifically where Father Pavone broke canon law and you tell us that he had a trial. You tell us that he knew this was happening, that he was suspended for a time. But no, it all looks like he had full faculties up until the moment that this news story broke. And now it is Monday, 1251 Central Time. And I'm assuming he's been told something. Finally, this morning, the Diocese of Amarillo put out uh, basically the nuncio statement. I mean, I, as far as I know, the Bishop of Amarillo has not even put out a statement yet. He's, they just copied and pasted what the nuncio said. You know, so it's like, well, come out and say this is why, you know, mm -hmm. because it's causing a lot of scandal otherwise. And you know what? We have to avoid that. And I, I want to remind everyone, one of the reasons, David, you're speaking to me now about this, and I'm sure Father Pavone would be happy to come on your show. It's a reminder that it's not just the celebrity priests that are being canceled and the coalition are helping dozens of priests across the country and around the world that don't have the voice that Father Pavone or Father Altman have in order to defend themselves. And we hope to be that voice for them. And for anyone that is critical of us or that, all we're asking for is due process of law, both canonical and civil, uh, the presumption of innocence, right? And not kangaroo courts. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, I've been listening to you for about for the past um, 45 minutes now. And it sounds like to me that that is your your main issue here, um, that the whole due process, it, it seems like you're making a case for that. And also the case that you just don't like the way that the bishops handled this at all. It was it was messy. It was scandalous. And it's, it's just really a bad look. It, it's, it's a horrible look. And you know what? It's not just from the coalition that had to come out and say this, you know, and I want to challenge and uh, the, the so-called good bishops. Are you going to come out with a statement like Bishop Strickland and say that this is wrong? And are you going to challenge the Vatican and the USCCB on this? All right. This is a major PR disaster for the bishops and they don't realize it or they realize it and simply don't care. They're basically, some of them are basically saying, we can get rid of any of you if you don't agree with us. And here's an example. Yeah. 
Father Level, thanks for coming on the David L. Gray Show. Um, voicing truth and reason, you've done all that. Congratulations, as always. Um, as we, you know, we're headed into we're in a, the fourth week of Advent, headed towards the Nativity of Christ, and um, you know, we we've been sharing a lot of scandalous news and talking about a lot of that. What can we think about heading into Christmas? Um, into the solemnity of the Blessed Mother Mary as well on on the first. What what are some and whole octave of Christmas and everything like that? What what are, what are some of the things that you're you're thinking about this year? Um, I ask everyone to pray for canceled priests that cannot live up to their vocation right now and to be with their flocks and to preach the wonderful message that Christ is with us that he became one of us in order to save us from ourselves and to keep those priests in prayers who have to celebrate on Christmas morning a mass by themselves. Uh, three masses, actually, because it's a tradition that on Christmas, just like all souls, a priest celebrates three masses. Oh, and uh, to keep those priests in your prayer, I am one of them, and to realize that uh, it it is something that we need to fix. Priests are ordained in order to be with their people, diocesan priests, okay? It is their vocation. And when you deny a man a, his vocation, you are doing serious harm to them. And, you know, that's one of the things that I'm so upset with, with Father Pavone, is that they, they are basically humiliating him, all right, in order to make a point. And we, we have to leave politics out of this. We have to have due process of law. And I'm tired of just these kind of, uh, sanitized statements of, oh, we don't know the whole story. That's right. We don't need know the whole story. Let's find out what it is. So I call on all the so-called good bishops to come out there, take a leave of absence from your diocese and defend Father Pavone. And if it risks you being canceled, then so be it. Okay. We need, we need more canceled bishops right now uh, out here in the trenches helping uh, the priests that are canceled as well. So please keep that in your prayers, but also realize that Advent is about Christ's last coming. He has the last word. And we this last week of Advent, we should prepare for that. We should realize that. And we should do everything that we can to be ready for when he comes. That means going to confession, doing what we can to help others get to confession, and to help others in need. So, David, thank you so much for the time to come on the show. Uh, looking forward to our next meeting and looking forward to seeing you again in June at our conference. Uh, and more information can be found about our conference at cancelledpriests.org. Yeah, thank you, Father. Looking forward to that. And um, you, even though you've um, been been denied, you know, a um, a flock, you know, in in the parish, you've over the past years, you've definitely become our pastor, and you've definitely been shepherding us through through rough times. And we thank you again for coming on and and being our pastor, and um, and giving us words of wisdom and guidance through another another storm. So as you head out, may you um please impart your blessing upon us. Dominus Fobiscum, Benedictio Dei Omnipotentis Patris et Fili et Spiritus Sancti, Descender Super Vos, Mani et Semper. Amen. Amen. Thank you for our level. Good night. Thank you. God bless.